This is Brooke, and you're listening to the Holy District Podcast. Awesome husband Daniel oh, with us. Um, well, with us, it's just me and you. <laughs> um, we have an awesome setup in our closet today. We record in our deep dust. I know bedroom, right <laughs> our bedroom closet. We've got like blankets hanging up everywhere with yeah. all the clothes around us. So it's what we got. So we make do. Um, but last week he did a great job of just talking about prayer and intru- introducing like, um, you know, the, the series that we're going to be diving into about prayer. Does it work? How do we pray? Um, he went into the, like the Lord's Prayer and some tips on how, like, how to pray through that. And so um, today we're going to kind of flip the script like a little bit and we're going to do more of a Q&A style with each other. But we're going to talk a little bit more about like intercessory prayer and praying for others or does God hear me when I pray? What about other people's circumstances? Um, Why do we wait like a lifetime sometimes to see prayers come to fruition? It can seem like we're asking God like years upon years upon years or even like months or even just daily prayers where we're praying for somebody or something or a circumstance or something in our world. But like, does God hear us? Is he, is that falling on silent ears? Um, What happens, you know, when just certain people get struck down by circumstances like time and time again? Mm These are all like really hard questions to answer about prayer. And so um, we're going to talk a a bit about it, but just know we don't have all the answers, but we're going to try our best to just flesh some of this out and let our faith kind of inform how we answer these. So without further ado, here we go. Okay, Daniel, um, I'm going to uh, start off by asking just this general question. You and I can both tackle this, but yeah. um, I want us to each share about a time in which um, that we prayed for like somebody and did God answer that prayer um, on our behalf? Yeah, I, <clears throat> I am thinking about... Um, this is a little bit of a challenge to answer for me, even though I've had some time to think about it because it's just like, how do I point to something? Um, because I think what I've noticed is when I pray for people, it's not like I see these like big moments or got, you know, like it's these slow things. And mm-hmm. so I think of, um, I think of my family with my brother and sister-in-law mm-hmm. um, who used to live here with us um, in Arizona. And we would pray like, um, God help us. I like just praying that they would see Jesus, that they would grow in a relationship with him because they don't follow Jesus. Um, and it's, they, they don't still to this day, mm-hmm. but I look back and I can see moments where we've had conversations about Jesus. And it's like, those were answers to prayer. Or those were God working for sure and showing and like creating these opportunities to share, you know? Yeah. Um, there's some really cool moments in there where we talked about the Good Samaritan and because it got asked, like, well, why do you and I do work with refugees? Right. Um, and so we've always just kind of had that prayer of like, hey, like, God, help us to be bold. 
um, in a very humble way, Mm -hmm. um, but help us to see the opportunities that you provide. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for each of us, you know, it's never been about like leading our entire family to Jesus or whatever. Like, I think a lot of it has been for the purpose of just having really good, fruitful conversations, like Jesus, Jesus filled conversations. And yeah, I've definitely seen those come, come to play out for sure. Yep. I think for me, um, something I was processing through, it's interesting where you're talking about our own family, but um, my whole life, my dad has been a smoker. And from the age that I can honestly remember, we have just been praying for him to quit smoking. Um, We would used to like petition him around the house and like put up signs around the house. And then every single night, I just remember getting getting into bed and just praying that God would... um, like almost take that craving away from my dad and that he would uh, choose to quit smoking because I think I was always afraid like what smoking would do to your body. We know that it does pretty harmful things to your body. And so um, I guess just recently I'm, you know, nearing 30 years old and my dad has chosen to quit smoking. And that I mean, every single night for, you know, how many years it was like, God, I just want my dad to quit smoking. And so um, that would be probably one of the longest standing prayers that I've, you know, prayed for somebody or on behalf of somebody. But um, I want to transition us into just asking kind of the opposite question. What about like prayers that haven't been answered? Or what about in which we felt like God felt silent towards our prayers? Have you um, thought about that question? Yeah, that's a kind of an easier one, I think, for yeah. all of us, because yeah. we sit and go, wow, I wanted this thing to happen, yeah. and it didn't, you know? Um, I think of, so I have a friend in high school, um, her mom passed away in a car accident, and I remember the day we were at Wednesday um, church for after school program for um, elementary students, and so I was running, I was running it at the time, um, for some reason, my home church, um, grateful for it they took a chance and had me a junior in high school start leading a wednesday afternoon that's the way to do it school program so <laughs> we were all there and other friends and high school students served at it with other adults and things and so it was cool but um i remember when she got the call hmm. for that her mom had been in an accident that night that day at like Easter. that afternoon yeah. we were all there and uh, she was being, her mom was being life lighted to the hospital. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was just, it was not great. And we went that night after, like, she went home to her dad and then she went down to the hospital. And then there were some other friends of us who were trying to figure out, like, should we go? Should we show up? We went to the hospital that mm-hmm. night. And um, I remember being there and just, like, the the grief, the weight of all of that and just praying, like, God, like, save her like fix this save her save her and i remember showing up the next day to the hospital Mm -hmm. um and uh they were just waiting and trying to see if she was going to make you know and i just remember being there with my friend and her family um and a couple other my friends too and then uh that night we did a prayer vigil at the church like praying for god to move and heal her and be miraculous and do something and then Friday, you know, um, of that week, nothing. And she, I remember being in the hospital when she passed. Wow. Um, and it was just like, God, why didn't you do anything? Mm-hmm. He just felt like you, you know, we believe in these miracles and yet you did nothing. Right. 
Yeah. That's, um, that's a really tough one. I think, I mean, as you're just chatting a little bit, I'm remembering a lot of different things in my life over just the course of so many years, but, you know, praying for cancer to go away in somebody, um, you know, from my home church and she died and she died. She died mm-hmm. of cancer. It's like, why God? Like, yep. wh- why would you let that happen? I mean, so many of us, you know, would go over and pray and pray and pray and she died. And, um, I think maybe another thing that comes to mind for me is like, to be honest, this whole freaking pandemic, <laughs> like I, we've, we're in now year three of this pandemic, which is crazy to think about that, you know, 2020 started this and now we're in like two and a half years, almost three years. And, and so many people have died of a freaking virus and, um, there's there's that piece to all of this but then there's like the personal grief that everyone has also felt along the way yeah. of just like anxiety and loneliness and depression and job loss and financial instability and um you're just like god why mm-hmm. like i don't understand why you could like snap your fingers and take it away yeah but why don't you yeah um so that that would be another thing i would say i guess I, gosh, see, all these things are flooding my mind right now. But on a more personal note, um, I've always felt like I've, I don't know about you guys, but I've never heard the actual audible voice of God. Have you, sure. Daniel? No. Yeah. I've never like heard like the, God, you are here and I actually hear your voice. I've yeah heard those like small murmurings or like. Maybe you would call it, like, intuition. I've had thoughts pop in my head that just wouldn't go away. Right, yeah. Um, Like, I I experience God a lot through music and through nature. and um, But I I remember just over the course of my life, I've really prayed um, that God would give me discernment. So I guess this is a more personal thing, not necessarily praying on behalf of somebody else. But um, I've always felt like God felt fell silent in that category for me because I've never felt like I have really great discernment to figure out what are you telling me to do? Should I go this way or that way? Like, um, Mm -hmm. almost like God, are you, are you actually speaking to me? Where's your Holy spirit? Are you going to guide me? Um, so yeah, just all those things come to mind. Yeah. I think it's easier for us to remember times that God didn't show up and didn't act in a way that we expected or didn't answer our prayer um, because disappointment is an easier emotion to access than um, trying to think of a different um, it's an easier emotion to access than recognizing uh, different ways God's moving hmm. um, wait tell me more about that I'm yeah curious. so I think the way like sometimes that and I kind of began to talk about this last week um, the way we approach God, or and I'll speak for myself, like when I'm approaching God and saying, well, I need you to do this. I want you to do this. It's like I'm approaching him like a vending machine. Hmm. I'm going to put my dollar in. I'm going to say the prayer and then, or like, you know, go to a vending machine. I'm going to type A26 and a bag of chips is going to fall out. Right. <laughs> and so when I expect God to do that, I'm approaching him like he's a vending machine. And if anything, I've learned over and over that God is trying to teach his people is I am not a vending machine. I'm not... Or, like, you can't just come up and pull a slot and expect me to act that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Because this is where, like, the idea of idolatry would have come from. Right. Um, And so God said, uh, like, God told them not, uh, one of the commands for 
the Jews was to not be idolatrous or have other idols. It's not just like a statue. Um, the the background in there is an idol to God is anything that you walk up and you expect to act in a certain way and that I can just plug in these things and get what I want. Hmm. Um, think of like, think of religions, ancient Near East religions, and you could even go with some modern religions um, where you walk up and you expect to offer the sacrifice uh, to this goddess of fertility and it's going to make you fertile. Right. Or right. offer the sacrifice to a like goddess of um or a god of rain and then it's going to bring rain to your crops and bring a good Mm. year for you what's that focused on yourself Mm. and so when i come to god and i'm like well i prayed this why didn't you act i'm coming with a self-centered attitude Mm. that's saying god you're my candy machine you're my vending machine i did this you should do what i want yeah you yeah. know? So then, like, I yeah, I hear what you're saying in that category. What about then when we are honestly, though, trying to pray for other people? Yep. Like we just talked about, like your friend's mom and yep. this, like, people who have cancer. Yep. What about that? Because those don't really seem like selfish prayers. They're not. And I'm not saying to, like, pray for other people or ask God to move and act is wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. we see that throughout Scripture. And people do this. And we see prophets do this in the Old Testament. We see Jesus do this. And so I don't think that praying for those things is wrong or selfish. I think that's um, the idea of, like, when I come to God and say, well, if I do this, then you need to do this. Mm Mm-hmm is the selfish piece. Right. Even though we're saying it's not like, even though I'm coming with a very honest, selfless thing to go save my friend's mom, but the the core, like if we just boil it down and make it really simple of, I prayed this so you have to act. Like it's the expectation. Yes. Okay. And when you look at the story of like, if you look at Job, if anything God teaches, and this is a really hard thing to wrestle with with our faith, is... Um, God is God is God and God is in control. We cannot control God. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to because I want to be able to like have God act in ways that I can understand and do things that I want. And the story of Job is God never answers Job. Job lists questions. If you ever read through all of the dialogue that's in there, he lists question after question after question of how he's going to ask God and things he's going to make God call to account for. And God shows up and he says, brace yourself. Um, answer me and then he starts asking him questions back and never answers Joe but like yeah is it it's crazy because it makes you realize like that story isn't supposed to be Christian circles teach it a lot of well Job gets put to a test by the Satan and the accuser mm-hmm. because he has all of these good things from God and like God is trying to teach him that story it does not matter um, who you are it does not matter all the good things that you have. Like, my blessing does not exist in the material things. Hmm. Uh, my blessing exists in my love for you. Yeah. And God comes before Job, doesn't answer him. He takes him on this journey through creation and says, do you know the complexities of all of these things? Have you set the boundary for the water? Have you designed these giant animals? Yeah. Have you designed all of these stars in the universe? And he's like, I'm going to do what I want. And the call is for us to just be faithful. Yeah, faithfulness. I, you know, this leads like so perfectly into just kind of the next section I want to talk about. It's like, does God not care or does God care for us? And how do we know if he's distant or close when we do 
pray. And I think Job is such a great example of that. Um, maybe expand a little bit on like, does God care in those situations? I think God cares incredibly because it's his creation. Mm -hmm. Something to keep in mind when I'm reading scripture um, and when I'm reading any book in the Bible, Job or Isaiah, the writer of Isaiah, the writers of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of the letters in the New Testament or the writers of Genesis, like it's not written to me. And it's like, well, duh, I'm in 2022. Like, no, like, what I genuinely mean is it's not written to a uh, powerful, privileged group of people that we are in the West, in Western America. Mm -hmm. Even though we would say, no, I'm maybe not, like, we are. It's the Bible and the story, the the letters, every everything that's written in this book that we call the Bible and all of those 66 collections is written to a suffering, oppressed enslaved exiled group of people right it's and when you take it from the perspective you begin to read stories and you go see there's hope being offered there there's a promise of something better there's a promise of justice like if you just get into the prophets justice is one of the most things talked about that god is going to rescue restore mm -hmm. redeem um his people right and he's going to bring justice for them yeah um and that's the great hope and so the hard thing that we have to wrestle with as Jesus followers is that God's faithfulness um, doesn't depend on our circumstances changing. It depends on his love for us. Yeah, that's so good. And just because I may not experience relief now, my hope and my faith is in that future justice that's coming. Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, I think God cares way more than we actually think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, God is... Uh, I'm going to throw out some big words here, but God is omnipotent, you know, omnipresent, omniscient. Um, and that, that simply just means like he's all present. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. And we, you and me, everyone around us, every human being, we're so limited by our, um, by our power, mm -hmm. by our knowledge. And I got to believe that what breaks our hearts breaks God's heart. Um, yeah. And... Like when we come to him and we ask for healing or we ask for him to intervene, like he cares and he loves that person. I mean, we see Jesus asking, you know, for intervention twice, you know, in the Bible. I think once it's like in the, the temptation, right? And once it's um, in the garden right before he was crucified, like he asked God to take this cup away from him. Like that, this, the crucifixion that if there's any other way for this to be done... Would you let that be? Yeah. And what, what happens? <laughs> well, God says there's no other way. Right. And so Jesus says, okay, well, then your will be done, right? And he, and he moves on. And I think, again, what you were saying about how it has so much more to do with our own faith when we come to God in prayer. Um, you know, for me, we have the faith um, to actually change the course of history. But maybe... Like, maybe God doesn't need that in that moment because mm -hmm. he knows so much more than we even know. So maybe it's not just like a no, but it's like later. And I know that's like super cliche to say like, no, just wait for a little bit. But um, it's the faith that we could, with God, co-create this change with him. Mm -hmm. But maybe he's saying not now. Well, so. and you think about like um, everything in 
Every, this is going to kind of jump ahead, sorry. But everything I said is all written to a suffering people and oppressed people and enslaved people. Um, and Jesus teaches this. Like, you're talking about Jesus. I'm like, guys, this is where he's at. This is where it means I have to adjust my expectations. And because he says, my kingdom, my... And whenever you hear kingdom, think my new creation or my new heaven and earth. Like right. when all of this is made right, mm -hmm. in the end, what is, he says, it's an upside down kingdom. Mm -hmm. So what I have to do with that is go, my present suffering is somehow in some way in that new creation going to be redeemed, remade, refocused. Like there's a new purpose brought to it because... Uh, if anything, Jesus says, my kingdom is in, go look at the Beatitudes. Like, just get into the Sermon on the Mount. Right. Go look at the Beatitudes. You want to know who's valued and who's five, lifted up? right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I talked about this last week. You want to know who's lifted up? You want to know who's um, most, like, praised or in, valued in the kingdom? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Right. Blessed are those who mourn. Like, the things that I, as a Christian and as a human being in the American West, sit and go, that's not of God. Mm -hmm. Jesus goes, mourning is of God because you're close like God is close to the suffering mm -hmm. and look at our savior God didn't stop him like you're saying he didn't stop him from being hurt he didn't stop him from being crucified he didn't stop him from suffering and so if I'm going to follow the way of the savior it means I'm going to follow a path that's going to feel like I'm losing but in the kingdom I'm winning in the kingdom you're winning and yeah. God says the first will be last and the last will be first. So yeah. everything that feels devalued or like our entire world and the entire system is working against it is actually the way of the kingdom. Yeah. And I think that's a great reminder, you know, for all of us who are sitting here and we've been praying these prayers for years or we've been praying on behalf of somebody yeah. um, in the kingdom of God, when all is made right, that will be flipped. Yeah. That script will be flipped. Um and it's, it's not that we get to, like, it's not that the poor um, or the mourning get to all of a sudden be like, I'm the most important person. Right, 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 right. Because what Jesus is going to know, they already have the humility mm. that I'm looking for in my kingdom. And so when that script gets flipped, they're not feeling proud of themselves. They're feeling like, I'm grateful for how whole I am. It's yes. just like, Wholeness, it's not, healing. it's not, yes. it's not pride most being most important in the kingdom doesn't mean I'm most prideful and I'm the celebrity. Mm -hmm. It means I'm valued for the way I, it's just, it's hard to yeah. understand, but it's like, Oh, it's not like, because the ways of our world is to be prideful and push other people down. Mm -hmm. And so if Jesus is going to flip the script, it's not like the people that are pushed down now are going to be pushing all the other people down. Exactly. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about the book of Matthew, and I just wanted to bring this up again because in the book of Matthew, through the Sermon on the Mount, you know, we're given passages that talk about, you know, ask, um, ask and it shall be given to you. Ask and you will, will receive. And it's easy to read those things and be like, okay, God, I'm going to pray and I, I'm going to receive this or, um, you know, just, so I'm going to ask this question, you know, what does that even mean? You know, God says, if we ask, we shall receive. What does receiving mean in that event? Um, does receiving mean what we think it's actually receiving? Well, do you want to answer first or do you want me to jump in? Sure. Um, okay, so I'm, 
Oh, remind. Okay, so bear with me for a minute. Uh, the movie Bruce Almighty. <laughs> if you guys remember this movie, I loved it as a kid. Um, every single part of this movie is amazing. Um, but I'm reminded that when he, you know, he plays God in this movie, um, Bruce does, and he, Jim Carrey acts in this movie. And um, he starts uh, getting all of these voices in his head, and it's like, you know, all these prayers. And he's like, I don't know how to sort through this. He gets on his computer and he starts typing, respond yes to all. Send. Yeah. <laughs> right? Do you remember that yes. scene? And um, th- then what happens is literally the whole world is like a chaotic disaster. Yeah. And I just think we need to remember yes doesn't always mean a better circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yes doesn't always mean um, good goodness. Yes doesn't always mean, you know, broken promises will be whole again. And I just think that, um, again, maybe what we're receiving, you know, talking about this passage about receiving is faith when we pray. It's Mm -hmm. faith that we come to God and we say, God, yes, you can do this. This is not my expectation of you, but you can. Mm -hmm. And in your perfect timing, you will work it out. And I get to co-create that with you because, again, talking about creation and our responsibility in our world, I am such a firm believer in the fact that we, this kingdom, this earth, we are here to build that kingdom with God. And so in the meantime, I'm going to ask God for this thing. I'm going to say, I have faith in this, and then I'm going to do my work, and I'm going to do my part. Yeah. Sometimes the answers to prayer is the the is the action of the church, and I don't mean the institution; I mean the people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, God wants to bring justice and healing to this world through His people. Through us. It doesn't mean that I have don't have doubts. It doesn't mean that I don't have questions. Um, like faith is the the belief in the unseen. Right. And it's the working out of all of our questions and our doubts through all of that. It's not about certainty. And if God could come in and fix this whole system and fix our society, we would say that's heaven. That's the kingdom here. That's that new creation. And God is saying, I'm working there, but I'm inviting you along with it. Hmm. And he wants us to keep doing that because as I keep trying to work to reform a system, uh, I'm practicing the ways of the kingdom and I'm building that humility and I'm building those processes and I'm learning from the people that Jesus calls blessed. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, it sucks. Like yeah. it's really sucks and really painful that it's not getting fixed right now. Mm-hmm. And there's so many stories like that's where I turn back to our faith and our, in our, um, our faith scriptures um, that we have as Jesus followers, the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures in the New Testament and the letters of Paul and the Gospels. Uh, I turn back to those and I find hope in there because like this has been going on and the people of God have been working and they're resilient and we're moving forward towards this new creation. It doesn't fix it. Like it doesn't diminish the pain. It doesn't min- diminish the like, oh, this feels overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And in those, and it's like, okay, we have a savior who identifies and understands. And he gave up all of his privilege with Jesus, with as God to take on human form. Like, so if I, if I'm a Jesus follower and I hold to that, then I'm like, oh, 
God truly gets the suffering because he had to give up all of this stuff to come be a part of it. Right. You know? Yep. So in that, when you ask about asking and seeking, I'm like, well, look at the context. Mm -hmm. What's Jesus talking about in that minute? He's not talking about me saying I want a new Ferrari. Right. (laughs) Exactly. He's saying, ask for the kingdom, seek the kingdom, and you will find it. Mm -hmm. And then we go, well, I'm trying. Don't you think that a... That a mother getting food in a house and shelter is? I'm like, yeah. Don't you also think that you showing up and showing compassion is that too? And it's like, that's what Jesus did. Like the widow at Nain. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I don't, I, I throw out a story and they're like, what's that? And I'm going, Jesus is walking along a road and he sees this funeral procession coming out and he sees this widow and she's bawling over her son who is dead and he's so moved with compassion that he has to show up and he raises the son back to life and it's like so is the kingdom only in her son coming back to life or is it also in the compassion and the empathy that he had and i think it's in both i think it's in the in the answer and the resurrection and we all want that but we don't recognize as part of the kingdom is also the compassion and that empathy and going, I need to go over and make it personal and be a part of it. Right. Yeah. I could listen to you all day. <laughs> I don't know if that was any good. But. Um, okay. So we have I just another little part here to, to wrap us up with our time today. Um, but Daniel had a Bible passage. Yeah. We've talked about many Bible passages you yeah. know, over the course of this podcast today. Um, and hopefully we've, you know, resourced you well and you have some tools like in the back of your pocket to use as you're you know considering prayer but um he's going to talk about esther and i as him and i were just discussing today you know this podcast and um why pray and does god even hear us this was a passage that um we just thought would really resonate with some people so why don't you go ahead and share um your thoughts from the book of esther yeah um when we start talking about this idea and talking about, well, why doesn't God answer certain prayers? Um, Or what do I do when things aren't answered like I want them to, and there's still suffering and there's still pain? Something that came to mind immediately as we like think through prayer is we're like, does God even listen? Does it even work? I love the story of Esther for several, several reasons. One, um, it's titled after a woman. (laughs) I just think that's amazing. (laughs) Um, In a male dominated society back then and even now, um, that Esther is lifted up as this uh, leader and um, it, something really, really interesting about the story of Esther. And this is where I'm like going to, I'll keep, try to keep this short because I've talked so much already. God is not mentioned a single time in that book. Like, so interesting. Nothing in there says the name of God. Like there's nothing. Um, and it's like, but isn't the Bible all about God and Jesus and his people? And it's like, yeah, but it's just so interesting to me because God's not brought up at once. And so I don't, if in English, if you're an English nerd, um, message me if I'm wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure I'm understanding this the right way as I looked it up. There's this idea in the English language called the assumed you. So we don't always in a sentence have to say the word you to it for it to be assumed the pronoun or whoever it's talking to. Um, and so like, think about this when I'm in a room and I'm like, uh, I'm talking to somebody and I'm in a room and I'm saying, Hey, 
come over here. Um, or come here, please. Mm-hmm. There's an assumed you there, right? Because you you know, like, I don't need to say you come here. That makes it feel a little bit more impolite. It's like, hey, come <laughs> okay, here, yeah. please. So that's the, the idea of the assumed you in our language. In the Hebrew language, that's what's being hap- happening in this entire book is um, the reader is being invited to see the work of God, even though he feels absent. And that there, there is coincidences, I'm doing air quotes here, there are coincidences um, and reversals that can seem like, oh, well, these humans, and the, the idea that you're being invited into is God is working to see the activities of God even when he appears absent. So um, Andy Stanley says when he talks about Esther that the apparent, uh, the apparent the apparent absence of God doesn't mean God is apathetic, meaning he doesn't care. Like he doesn't respond. Yeah, he mm-hmm. doesn't care. And when you look at the story of Esther, you see this over and over because you have Esther. Um, and I love this book because Esther, Mordecai, uh, Xerxes, and Haman are not moral people. Right. Like there is drinking, there is sex, there is... Um, there is greed, there is murder, like there are so many more immoral actions that take place in this, and yet God still works and he still uses these people to save his people. Right. And it's like, so uh, as much as I want to think like, well, why I'm a good person or like God, like this prayer is good. It shows that God works even in the midst of all of our messiness and like uh, brokenness and like things don't aren't these nice little boxes. And that's how prayer is like. When we're talking about this, like, why doesn't God work? Well, like, because we want everything to be this nice little box, and that's not how God works. He uses the mess and chaos through mm-hmm. it all. Yeah. So Esther, the king, gets unhappy with his current queen, banishes her out. He embarrasses her. Um, <laughs> so men have been insecure for all of history. Oh, really? Uh, I know. Shocked. <laughs> uh, so it's amazing. Um, Esther then gets put into this beauty pageant and... There's other contestants, and the, the each contestant is brought into the king's room at night. Um, and you it's can a imagine. hot mess of a story. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he chooses whoever pleases him the most, and so Esther's the one that pleases him the most. Um, and so he chooses her to be the queen. And then Mordecai is there, doesn't bow down to Haman, who's the king's right hand man. Um, and Haman gets mad about that and creates a stick. Um, that he's going to impale Mordecai on. Um, and in that, though, he also finds out his nationality, that he's Jews, and Haman's just this really greedy, insecure person, um, and he wants everyone to bow down. Like, it's just a, he's a mess. And so he comes up with this law that all the Jews should be um, annihilated or thrown in jail and, like, have everything taken away from them. He does, he wants all Jews gone because Haman, or Mordecai, disrespected him. Um, if you know... Uh, any kind of history, this is called, uh, in America, we say Purim or Purim, but it's Purim. Wow. That was um, a very good pronunciation of that. <laughs> and so uh, that's the Jewish holiday there. And so uh, it typically happens in March if you're following a Jewish calendar. And so uh, on that day, a year later, all the Jews are supposed to be annihilated. The whole story is how this doesn't happen. Spoiler alert, the Jews saved themselves. Um, but... There's this moment in there where, like, we're watching and it's like, oh, my gosh, everything is going to go bad. Mordecai hears about this plot to kill all the Jews and he comes to Esther 
and he's telling her, you got to go and save them. You've got to go and take care, like save the Jews. You got to go. And this is a pretty famous quote where people will be like, for such a time as this. And the thing that I want to point out here is that's not the point. Hmm. Yep. Okay. Because he'll come. And so Esther chapter four, verse 14, um, Mordecai is talking to Esther through a eunuch. Um, and so they're relaying messages back and forth. And uh, Esther hears this. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But if you and your rel- and but you and your relatives will die, who knows? If perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this, it's a question. It's not a statement. But in there it says deliverance will come. So that's the assumed you, like right. Mordecai is saying, if you don't do anything, God is still going to show up and save His people. Mm. And. He says, but perhaps maybe you're supposed to be the one to deliver. You have the power. You have the ability. Show up. Show compassion on the people of God and freaking do something about it. Stop expecting God to show up Hmm. because he's using you. So then Esther goes and she invites Haman and all the Jews in the family to, or all of her relatives and Jews in that city to fast. Um, and pray for three days. And then um, she fasts and prays. And she makes the statement where she says, if I perish, I perish. But she goes forward to the king um, to try to save the people. And there's a, the key moment comes later um, when Haman is revealed for who he is and Mordecai is being lifted up and paraded around the city. Like that's the great reversal that Haman who thinks he's the most exalted one is actually the lowest one. And Mordecai who is, who Haman thinks is the lowest is actually the exalted again. Flip the script. Yep. The story of God and his work is always about that flipping of the script. Mm -hmm. The exalted become the humbled and the humbled are exalted. I think this is such a beautiful picture well, number one, you do a great job of explaining the whole story, but just such a beautiful picture of, again, that concept of how we get to co-create mm-hmm. our realities and our future realities with God. You yes. know, um, yes. we assume that he is there, that he won't forsake us, that he loves us, that he wants justice. Yes. And yet we have the ability to jump in and say, yep. I get to do that with you. Yep. So what's our response? Yep. So as you, you know, does prayer work? Yeah, I believe it does. It doesn't work how I want it to. There's a lot of prayers and I can keep talking about disappointment, but there's a lot of things where I see um, God is working through his people and he's inviting me to bring heaven here on earth and to work with him to create that. Um, And that comes through music, that comes through art, that comes through beauty, that comes through talking to friends, checking in on them. That comes through hugs and tears and um, it doesn't just come through relief of mm-hmm. pain. Right. Um, yeah. Sometimes relief of pain looks like sharing of burdens. Hmm. So, yeah. Wow. Gosh, this is this has just been such a, for me, even a thought provoking um, podcast. And, you know, Daniel and I don't claim to have all the answers. Like I said in the beginning, you know, this is simply how, you know, our faith has unfolded over the years and how it's informed, you know, what we're processing today. But 
Um, if there are any questions that you have about prayer that you've been wondering about, um, we would love to answer those questions. I know we could probably talk all day long about more and more things that pertain to prayer and how to pray and whatnot. And so um, we would love to submit, have you submit those and um, potentially yep. next week even address some yep. more of those things. So can I get practical for just one second? Yep. Go ahead. Okay. So to put a, all like an application on this, as we've been talking this whole time about prayer, for those of you that are sitting and listening going, okay, so now what do I do with everything I learned? Um, when you're praying or you see injustices in some area where you see, God, I need you to move, um, start asking the question of, uh, is God inviting me to, to show up in that spot? Right. And how can I, um, do it in such a, in, it can be the smallest little way, but how can I show up, uh, so that people can experience heaven on earth? Yeah. I love that. All right, friends. Well, until next time, um, we will talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Holy District Podcast. We are a growing network of communities in Allentown, Pennsylvania and Gilbert, Arizona. And we are just seeking um, to have conversations with people that we uh, live around and work around and play around. And so um, we're building something really cool out here in Arizona and um, also in Allentown. And so if you Um, have any questions or you would like to partner with us in some way or another or you just want to get us face to face um, just to kind of chat about some of these things we would love to do that so um, until next time we'll see you then